Amen. Go ahead and pull out your Bibles and something to take notes with this new year. I know Sam said it like nine times, but you really should go to Marriage Encounter. All right, pull out your Bibles. Open to Genesis chapter 1, one of our favorite places to start here at church because we like the Bible, and that's where the Bible starts, so you have to like it. So glad you're here on New Year's Day. I'm happy to be in church on New Year's Day. I'm, I'm happy about this new year and all that's going on. I'm happy that Marriage Encounter starts this January Jesus Hour. We got 50 men starting to show up this Wednesday, every Wednesday for the next 12 weeks to disciple each other in the things of God. So that's awesome. There's, I found out yesterday, but there's a, there's, a whole, uh, there's a whole herd of women that are starting the year off reading through the Bible in January. The whole thing in January. So if you have never done that, I highly recommend it. And if you find like, I can never do that, I'd have to do it with some people. Come talk to my wife, because uh, Lindsay Frazee's leading that thing, but Heather's part of it. So you come find out, you don't have to be a girl to read through the Bible in the month of January. I've done it like a handful of times over the last few years, doing it in 30 days, and it's just, it'll change your life. So if you're looking for a catalyst that'll wear you out in all the right ways, I dare you, try it. So it's a, it's a good time to be alive following Jesus, Amen. We're going to be starting in Genesis chapter 1 this morning. We always take the first uh, bit of the year to talk about what specifically God is leading us in as a church. And in years past, it usually means we take about most of January, probably most of February to just hone in on what, what is there any specific vision that God has given us as a church as we head into this new year. If you were here in November for our uh, message where we talk about our seat at the table offering, we basically already talked about not just the word that God's really leading us in for 2023, but I shared with you that uh, our church is a little over six years old, and when we started God spoke to me really clearly to take the first 10 years to plant the church, to have the mindset that for the first 10 years, we're planting what it is that God's called us to plant. Didn't give me the blueprint, but just said, that's what we're doing. And as we look back, we realize that the first five years were really foundational years. And then we took year six was a lot of praying and asking God, what's, what's kind of the next phase of planting this church that you have us to focus on? I shared in November that what the Lord is speaking so clearly to us is that the foundations have been laid and it's time to build the home. Build the home. And so that is not just like 2023 vision, that is assignment for us as a church that, okay, that's what we're leaning in on. God, teach us what it means to build the home. Our first response to that was talking about how as a church, you know, we, we've known we have a lot of kids in the whole like ratio of kids to adults. We've known we have a lot of kids for a long time, but what we needed to say out loud as a church was this isn't a coincidence or something like that, that God has put a call on us. Us, not because we're smart and super prophetic, but just because we looked around and realized God must be asking us to get really good at discipling children because there's lots of them around here. So we're going to take that as from God. And so we gave a call. Okay, this isn't just like serving in Antioch kids. This isn't just like something some people should do. This is part of who God has called us to be as a church is to disciple children. So thank you to the 115 of you adults who are serving in Antioch kids once a month. That is so awesome. I love that. So that's amazing. And uh, man, so much fun stuff going on. Kind of side note on that, I also talked about how we were going to be building out an additional 
additional space for the kids, kind of moving down the shopping center, running into some complications there. So just FYI, that's on hold. One of my mottos is, all things TBD. So will we ever do it? We'll find out, won't we? Uh, so things happen. Uh, but all that to say, just so excited uh, to be discipling kids. So this morning, though, what we're going to be doing is really starting to own that word for ourselves. We talked about it in November, kind of gave the vision out there, talked about what it meant for us as a kind of a collective church. But what does it mean for you to build the home? What does that mean for you? What is God saying to you specifically and us collectively with this word, build the home? So for the next, uh, this week and then the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about what does it look like to kind of dive into the layers of the home and let God teach us what it means to build. Build the home his way. So Genesis chapter 1, stand to your feet. We're going to read and begin the year reading from the word of God. Genesis 1, verses 26 through 28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Isn't that a beautiful poem? And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and active by the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to be here together, lifting up your name and coming under your word. We open up our hearts and our minds to you and our lives to you this morning, and we ask that you teach us, encourage us, reprove us, correct us, shape us, rebuke us, teach us, train us in the things of God, that our lives might be holy unto you. That's our posture this morning. Lord, everywhere that we're hungry, I pray that you would fill us. Every way that we're not hungry or thirsty, have your mercy on us and make us hungry and thirsty to know you, to seek you this year. We love you. We receive your word this morning. Come and speak, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and take a seat. Twenty twenty three. Are these unprecedented times? Has it never been like this before? Are there things that we're trying to navigate in culture and philosophy that Christians have never had to deal with before? Are we reading the Bible because we know that it applies to our spiritual lives and all of that good stuff, but does it really have anything to say about these unique times, my unique life, my unique personality, my unique life stage and schedule and job and kids and situations and preferences and feelings. I mean, it's so old and things are so new. 
Does the Bible really, does God really have any interest in speaking to the basic things of life? You could even say the carnal things of life. Is he even interested in that? Would God really even be interested enough to speak, let alone speak, about things like what it means for you to be a man or what it means for you to be a woman? Does the Bible have anything to say? Or or is God surprised, as surprised as you might be, about what your kids are having to navigate in the culture these days? Is he as shocked as you? Is he as scared as you are? Of course you believe, and we believe that the Bible speaks to, to all of us generally, but does the word of God really speak to you? Like really, in your real life? If you looked at the way you function, what would the answer be? Of course, very few of us would say out loud, no, of course, the Bible doesn't speak to my everyday life. The Bible has all the answers. But if you looked at my life, do I show that? Am I looking for the answers in the Bible or am I looking for the the places I really believe the answers are? Do I really just need a conversation with that next person? Do I really actually think I just need the next podcast or the next book? Because the Bible has a lot to say about how I should pray more. But when it comes to living through this, I need an expert. In Genesis 1.1, the Bible begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God creates all that we understand as reality and all that we don't understand of reality. He creates the heavens. He creates what we call like the the spiritual realm. He creates the heavens and he creates what we understand as the physical realm. He creates the earth. And he, he fills the earth with land and sky and water and creatures And he fills the heavens with, like we sang about cherubim and seraphim and who knows what else. And creatures with heads and wings and babies with diapers and wings, right? (laughs) So he creates the heavens and the earth and he's filling the heavens with his creatures and his creation. He's filling the earth with creatures and creation. And then we get to Genesis 1, 26, Jesus The Bible tells us Jesus, we're created through Jesus, for Jesus, right? He's on every page. We get to Genesis 1.26, and God is crowning all of creation with this final bit. And you know the end of the story, it's us. And you're like, wow, really? Look in the mirror, like, we're the crowning achievement, okay. But according to God, he's created the heavens and the earth. He's filled the heavens and the earth. And now he says, let us create one more thing. And this time, he's going to have my image. He's not just going to fill my creation. He's going to have my image. Let us create man in our own image. And he creates humanity. He creates an imager of himself in us. Genesis 1, 27 through 28. So God created man in his own image. And the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. So he creates all things and he creates man and then he doesn't just create man, he blesses humanity. He blesses humanity and commissions them with their purpose of why humanity was created. I love that it was during creation that he says all this. It wasn't some afterthought or anything. It's baked into the cake. 
baked into the creation cake. God creates humanity and then blesses them and says, this is what you're here for. You didn't come from yourself. You came from me. Your purpose doesn't come for yourself. It comes from me. And here it is. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then in verse 31, God looks at the heavens and he looks at the earth and he looks at humanity that he has created and blessed and commissioned. And he saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Genesis 2 gives us a little bit more of the director's cut version of the creation of humanity. This isn't an amendment that happened later. This is, this is a little bit more going in depth of what, what happens here. It tells the same story, and in Genesis 2, verse 24, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates everything. He creates man in his own image. He blesses humanity. And in in his blessing to humanity, he gives this man and this woman the blessing of marriage. And then he blesses marriage with sex. And he blesses sex with children. And he's really happy about it. Behold, it was all very good. The Bible teaches us what we, under, what we call the doctrine of the Trinity. The doctrine of the Trinity, that God is three but one. And you know how much sense that makes. We talk about that sometimes. It makes perfect sense if you just don't try too hard. So God is, God is three, but he is one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is three, but he is one. So it... Human words can't ever fully be sufficient to explain God or describe him. But in this doctrine of the Trinity, what we understand is that God is a sort of society in and of himself, even though he is his one. He is, he is three, but he is one. And so he is this society within himself. He's the first and the last and the everlasting society. So it follows that when he crowned all that he had made by making in creation his imagers, he didn't create an individual. He created a society. When God created his imagers, he didn't create an individual. He created a household. He created a home. The home is an image of God to the earth. And it's the context within which God's imagers, us people, are to obey him in being fruitful and multiplying in order to fill and subdue the earth with the glory of God. And this isn't, this isn't like a fluke that this just happens. You're able to pick this stuff up in this story. And it's not a stretch to pull that out of Genesis 1 and 2. This, this creation and commissioning of humanity for this purpose happens at least four more times in Scripture. We've already talked about Genesis 1 and 2. By the time you get to Genesis 9, both the creatures and the imagers of heaven and earth have rebelled together. And so you get some really fun verses to figure out at the beginning of Genesis chapter 6. 
and the world is evil and humanity is evil, it says that all the intentions of man in his heart were evil. But these times are unique, right? <laughs> so God judges the earth with the flood, but he saves humanity. And you get, it's this sort of, it's, it looks like a recreation type of narrative. He judges the earth, and, but he doesn't save a man, he saves a household. He didn't save Noah, he saved Noah and his household. And in Genesis 9, 1 and 7, he says, and God blessed Noah. Does that sound familiar? And his sons. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Verse 7, and you be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. We see again God's desire for humanity in the home. Genesis 10 and 11 happen and things get bad right away again. And we get to the Tower of Babel. There's a whole lot going on there. And we get another judgment of God, not this time by a flood, but through the disinheriting of the nations and a spreading and a division of language and a division of the nations. He, and, but we get another creation bit out of it. As, as this chaos happens, as judgment happens, God calls out for himself a new nation. He births a nation for himself to be his imagers to the nations of the earth. And he does it by calling this man Abraham. But he doesn't just call a man. He calls a household. And he doesn't birth a nation by drawing lines on a geographical map or by starting a government. He does it by calling a man, a head of a household. And he promises him not just a nation, but he promises him a son. He promises him descendants. In Genesis 12, he says this in 1 through 3, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house and land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth. Yes, the nations, but through the family. In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We see God's intention again for his imagers. Then we get to the incarnation of Christ. We see that, that Christ, is, as God comes, he doesn't come as some mystical, ghostly, spiritual being in the clouds. He comes as the fullness of God dwelling bodily in a baby born to a family, born into a home. And at Jesus' return, we see this again. Christ in his return, when he comes to judge the nations, he's returning not for his organization, but for his bride. He's returning for his bride when we will dwell eternally with him. We will dwell eternally with him as he makes his, the Bible says, his dwelling place, his abode, as he makes his home with man. And there is now no more need for even the sun because he himself is the light. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he made man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. We need to understand as Christians that we have made this confession that we do not define reality. We discover it. Amen. Humanity does not define reality. We just discover it. 
You do not define reality. You discover it. Everything real and true exists in the one whose name is I am. God is not our idea. We are God's idea. God does not exist to help you be you. You exist to know and image him. It is a foundational fact to our existence and to your personal existence that when God created the heavens and the earth and when God created man in his own image, he didn't start a business. He didn't start an organization. He didn't found a government. He made a home. A home of which he is head and father. So I want to say something now to kind of shift gears for a second and hopefully shine a light on something that I believe is kind of hiding in the darkness right now. I'm not even going to say I believe it. I know it because I'll tell you why I know it. The Bible says that... God's word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. Amen. You ever heard that one before? I didn't reference it, but I promise you it's in there. So, okay. So God's word, when he speaks his word, it's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. But the devil, when he speaks, he is a liar. That, that's the language he speaks. He speaks and lies, and when he lies, he aims to cast shadows over things and to keep things in darkness. So God's word brings life and freedom. And the devil's lies bring division and condemnation. So how do you know if it's God? How do you know if it's the devil? There's some principles for you to evaluate the voices you're hearing on. So God's aiming to bring life and light. The devil speaks to bring division and condemnation. There are at least a few handful of you that since I shared this word about build the home back in November, and maybe even more of you this morning as you're hearing me talk about it, you have been hearing or are hearing right now a a pervasive whisper. A slight but firm voice telling you that this word isn't for you. Making you doubt that it applies to you. You believe it's the word of the Lord. It's a good word. It's a great word. Go the home. It's just not for you. Making you feel isolated. Making you feel like this word is for everybody else but you. Because blank. Because you're an empty nester. Because you're divorced. Because you're young and single. Because you're older and single. 
because you don't have kids, because you can't have kids, because you're not enough this, or you just don't have that. This word is for all of those people, but it's not for you. I want you to know that if you've been hearing that voice, maybe me saying it out loud, you're realizing, ah, yeah. That's how this has felt. It's felt really exciting for everybody else but me. Feels like this fits everybody else but me. Feels like this applies to everybody else but me. I'm excited for everybody else but me. I want you to know that since November, I've been praying for you. This is not news. This is not that sneaky. It's blatantly obvious. What else would the devil come and say? I've been praying for you, and I'm saying this out loud now this morning because you also now have a responsibility that this has been brought out into the gleaming light to fight for yourself and to not listen to that voice. And I want you to know that you can do that because I'm hearing the voice too. I'm hearing it too. You're not alone. You're not alone in hearing that. I've been hearing it since before I said it to all of you. I'm like, man, build the home. Praise the Lord. Amen. I get it. I want it. I read the Bible, Genesis 1 and 9 and 12 and the incarnation and the coming of Christ. It's right there. Amen. But I'm just me. I'm, I can't like preach this stuff. I can't like take us. I'm like, I'm just 33. Like, what do I know? My oldest child is eight. Like I have a business degree. I'm not that smart. I'm not that educated. What do I know? This is a great word. This is the word of the Lord, but somebody else should totally take the lead on this thing. So there we are. It's on us, each one of us individually, to decide today how we're going to receive this word. Will we receive it in faith and believe it, or will we receive it in doubt and question it? I want to challenge every single one of us to receive the word of the Lord, to trust the Lord, and take up the breastplate of righteousness and guard your heart against the lies of the enemy. Take up the shield of faith and put out all the fiery darts that are telling you why this is for everybody else but you. Put on the helmet of salvation and guard your mind that it be set on the spirit and what the spirit of God says, not what the flesh says, and all the reasons why you're disqualified from this and why it's not quite just for you. Every single one of you has a home. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says that for everybody who listens to my words and does what I say, you are like a man who builds his house on the rock. Everybody who hears my words and doesn't do what they say is like a man who builds his house on the sand. He doesn't say that if you hear my words and do them, you are the one that builds a house. And the one who doesn't do what I say doesn't build a house. Everybody's building something. You're building something. You have a life. You have a place you live. You have a community you live with. You have roommates. You have somebody. You've got things. You've got a world that you live in. According to the word of Jesus, you are building something. You have a home. And not just do you have a home, every single one of you, no matter what your caveat is, you have a home. And also, you are a home. You are a home. You are a child of God. 
an offspring of the covenant of Christ and the church, consummated at the cross and at the tearing of the veil. You are a child of God, born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is our brother, the second Adam, and the firstborn from among the dead. We are born not of flesh or of the will of man. We are born by the Holy Spirit and by the will of God. And we are adopted by the Holy Spirit, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And now we live together as co-heirs with Christ, children adopted as sons in the kingdom of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have a home and you are a home, every single one of you. This is for you. Decide today that you're not going to listen to the liar and check out and get excited for everybody else and not jump into this. This is for you. Receive it in faith. You can have questions. You can ask questions. But let them come from faith, not from doubt. Over the next six weeks, we're going to dive into these kind of what I was saying, layers of the home. We're going to talk about what the Bible has to say about men, what the Bible has to say about women, what the Bible has to say about marriage, what the Bible has to say about sex, what the Bible has to say about parenting, and what the Bible has to say about being single. That's what the next however many weeks that was, six, are going to be. Because God is teaching us to build the home, and those are the layers of the home. Uh, Brooke Umsat and I, we're going to re-pick up the Honest Conversations with my pastor podcast on the week of the 15th. So starting next week, there's going to be little cards in your seat available for you to, after church, write down questions or ask clarifying things. There's things that you'd want to hear discussed more in kind of a more conversational podcast type setting that you can drop off before you leave church. So get ready to engage with this because God has something to teach you. God has something to teach us. He has... He has to teach us how to build the home his way. Build the home his way, according to his word. So that's where we're going the next few weeks. But as we finish up this morning, before we jump into all of that in the next few weeks, we need to jump into it understanding first that Jesus has made crystal clear for us what it's going to take for us to really actually build the home and build our homes according to the design of Almighty Creator God. There is a first principle we have to put in place before we get into all this other stuff. And it's in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 26. Jesus told, told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Being a disciple of Jesus in our world, in our times, in our culture is not an exercise of making minor corrections as we sort of go with the flow of the river we're swimming in. It is an exercise of stopping, turning around, and swimming upstream by the power of the Holy Spirit towards the kingdom and the glory of God. It is a lifestyle of humility before God that asks and seeks and knocks 
that he would pour out the Holy Spirit on you and in you, that he would, by his grace and mercy, pour out conviction, that we would live convicted of sin, convicted of righteousness and of judgment, so that by the kindness of God, we might be drawn into repentance and live life in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That's what it takes, my friends. It takes you asking, seeking, knocking, saying, God set my mind on the things of the Spirit. Oh, God, help me take my mind off the things of the flesh, which are death, and set me on the things of the Spirit that are life and peace. I don't trust myself. I don't trust my preferences. I don't trust all the things that I've been told. I don't trust the norms. Maybe some of them stay, but let's let them all die first and resurrect only what is of you, Jesus Christ. I'm taking up my cross, oh God. I want to follow you, Jesus. Wholeheartedly. My whole life. To be a Christian is to die to yourself and be raised with Christ. Be raised in Christ. Be raised unto Christ. And in order then to build the home. In order to be men. To be women. To be husbands to be fathers, to be wives, to be mothers. We must die to ourselves and in desperation lay ourselves before the resurrected Lord, saying, God, bring back to life only what is of you. Bring back to life only what is for you. Bring back to life only what is towards you. Only that, Lord Jesus, bring me back to life. In your image. Everything that God has called us to as Christians starts here. Everything. Everything starts here. And therefore, everything that God has told, called us to on how to build the home, it starts here. It starts at dying to yourself. It starts as take, at taking up your cross. It doesn't start with you trying to be the most you that you want to be. It starts with dying to all of that and saying, God, I believe. I believe that I came from you. I believe that I'm for you. I believe that you're alive. I believe that you're speaking and you're not outdated. And we don't need a second edition of the Bible that takes into account all that's changed over the last 2,000 years. And I'm the one person that's the unique puzzle piece. You just have no idea with how to fit my life and my story and my background and my past and my trauma and my desires and my loves and my wants and my hates. And you just don't know where to fit me into your kingdom. No, I believe that you created me to bear your image. I was your idea. You're not here to help me. I'm here to know you and to image you. I'm here to image you, Lord Jesus. Being a man, a husband, and a father according to the word of God. Masculinity according to the word of God starts with a man dying to himself. And being raised to new life in Jesus Christ. Whatever good you have ever seen of a man or masculinity comes from that first principle. Whatever bad you have ever seen of men and masculinity deviates from that first principle. Whatever good you have seen of, of a woman, 
of a wife, of a mother, according to the Word of God. Femininity, according to the Word of God, starts with a woman dying to herself and being raised in the life of Jesus Christ. Whatever good you have seen of a woman or a femininity, it lines up with that first principle. Whatever bad you have seen of what it means to be a woman or what is femininity deviates from that first principle. What I want you to know this morning, as you start 2023, yes, I want you to get fired up about Build the Home, but first, first, I want all of us to believe again, believe deeper, believe more wholeheartedly that God has everything I need. God has everything I need to hear, everything I need to hear in these times. Everything I need to hear today, 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 January 1st, 2023, United States of America, everything that you need to hear in the midst of all of your challenges, if you have ears to hear it, if you're ready to listen, if you're ready to lay yourself down as a living sacrifice and be resurrected in his grace, I'm telling you, he has everything that you need. Your truest self is a reborn self, raised into the resurrection of Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit and wholly obedient to the living word of God. The call to being a disciple of Jesus in America in 2023 is the same that the call that being a disciple to Jesus has always been. It's nothing new. It's perfectly relevant. And it's all-consuming. Take up your cross. So come. January 1st, 23. Come. Come to the Lord Jesus today. Come for the first time in your life. Come for the first time this year and give yourself to the death and to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Come and give yourself to the filling of the Holy Spirit. Come and give yourself to being an imager of Creator God. Would you stand as we close our time together? Our prayer team is going to come up and be available this morning. If you need prayer for anything in your life, you're at church. It's the first day of the year, so it's the best day that there's ever been in 2023 for you to get prayer for whatever it is that you need. If you're convicted of something, if you're scared of something, if you're hurt by something, if you need, come to Jesus. Do something in this moment that, that you know is you consecrating yourself unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we believe you and we trust you and we receive you this morning. Light the way forward with your word. We're not leaning on our own understanding. We're giving ourselves to your path. Lead us as we fix our eyes on you. Would we be crucified with you and no longer live, but have a life that we live by faith in you the Son of God who gave himself for us because you loved us. We trust you. We give you our lives in Jesus' name.